0: Poison has been used to commit murder since time immemorial. Deaths were often attributed to natural causes as science had not yet caught up on detection methods. The Borgia family from Valencia are probably the best known users of arsenic to dispatch political rivals and have been the subject of books for hundreds of years. But accidental poisonings happen. People do not realise the innocuous vegetable or plant that they have foraged from the wild or even grown innocently in their own garden can kill. If you're going to murder someone by poisoning, you better have your poker face on and above all, tell no one. This episode is Murdered by Mushrooms, the Katrina Foots case. And this is Murder Me on Monday.
1: Hello everyone, and apparently, welcome back to Murder Me on Mushrooms, whatever you said at the beginning. <laughs> I'm Cameron, and joined with me his Mother. Hello. You good? Yeah, I'm good. This mushroom case has been on your mind for about a week, because yeah. I was cooking in the kitchen, you come through, you come like, you like sniffing, you start poking, you're going, you ain't cooking mushrooms, are you? This has been in your mind for a while.
0: Yeah, it has. Uh, sometimes I spend hours researching and hit a brick wall on a case, or can't come up with an opener. It's a mental block. This was me this week after f- starting four scripts and just not feeling it. And I was clearing out some old tabs and found this case and it was the light bulb moment. So here we are.
1: Didn't you have a weird dream about it as yeah. well recently? Yeah. I guess when you when you spend hours researching something, it can kind of creep into your subconscious and it affects you when you dream. Yes,
0: that's exactly what's been happening with this case.
1: You wake up, you start eyeing people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But thank you to everyone for the continued support over on Patreon. By becoming a patron, you not only support our efforts, but also gain access to extra perks such as early access to episodes, bonus content, and even stickers should you want them. Just drop us a line when you sign up, giving us your address. If you can't help support us on Patreon, please continue to support us by leaving reviews if you can. It really does help keep us going. Now, I know a lot of people will be thinking that we are covering an unsolved case for once, but no, we're not touching the very, very strange case in Australia of the Patterson family that happened in July with three dead and one in serious condition and more and more coming out almost daily. We will chat about it later as I fell over some intriguing information which could turn into another episode. Back to this week. Very limited information on this one. Seems to have passed a lot of people by due to the COVID situation. Let me take you to Pendleton, Indiana, with a population of less than 5,000. It's a quaint little place. There lived 50-year-old David Michael Fotus Jr. and his new wife Katrina. David worked from home, as we mostly all did in 2020, for Salesforce as a consultant and solutions architect. Fancy phrase for a problem solver. Salesforce are huge. Their headquarters is San Francisco. It's a cloud-based CRM system, basically, and CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. This can be as simple as keeping track of emails and phone numbers to targeted advertising based on information the system can pull. It's only as good as what you put into it. This company is worth billions. David, by all account, is a good employee. No problems. People like the guy.
1: I've got a question, probably doesn't even relate to the case whatsoever. The CRM, the customers aren't people like you and I. That's a business, I assume. Yes so an individual wouldn't sort of go to them yeah to seek help it would be places like facebook instagram yes exactly okay. yeah
0: it's it's one of the, it's run for big companies my own firm the one i work on the day job we have similar system and there's teams of people working putting information in all day long taking information somebody a ceo moves from one company to another, so all the information about that CEO needs to be updated in the systems because we still might have a personal relationship with them, so it could be an in in the new company.
1: I just wasn't sure how it related, if it was customer-facing or not, and it no. kind of isn't.
0: No, not it kind of is, but it isn't. Or public-facing. Yeah, yeah, not public-facing. Now, David was, as well, by all accounts, an, a rabid cyclist, was a founder member of a local club. He was also a bit of a handyman and well-liked by everyone who knew him, but he also seemed to have been a bit of a closed book. Not everyone got to see all sides of him. David married Katrina when he was 49, his date of birth being the 23rd of May 1969. No idea if that was his first marriage or number six. There's nothing out there. By 2020... He had one, if not two, arrests on his record, domestic violence, and was apparently an alcoholic, even had a stint in a rehab another state away. According to Katrina, he'd also had affairs. How he had the time or energy, I don't know, but being married for less than a year, it must have been tough. Katrina, well, she was born on the 2nd of July 1966 and was therefore 53 when she married David, who was then, say, 49 in June of 2019, according to the marriage licence application. At that time, her name was Katrina Louise Podsiadlik, And she came from Noblesville, which is about 15 miles away from Pendleton, much bigger with about 70,000 residents, but still a quiet place by all accounts. The surname of Podsiadlik seems to have come from another marriage. Her maiden name was Gentry. She had at least one child with that surname who comes into the case later. Maybe two children. Records are just not clear. What the domestic violence charges against David are, again, I've got no idea. Doesn't appear to have been any conviction either. I can't find any record. Can find his mugshots, and he's wearing one of those black cape things around him, like you get in a hairdresser's. And one of them, he's smirking. It's a very odd picture. Very different to his LinkedIn profile, which is now gone, but the picture from that is available. He looks like a very average middle aged man. Reminds me of a music teacher I had as a child. Again, according to Katrina, David had had affairs and she describes one man coming to the house that they shared in Pendleton looking for David and threatening that harm would come to him due to this dalliance with another woman. She actually gives such detailed description of the man police could have produced an e-fit from it. What the state of David and Katrina's relationship was is not clear. It can't have been harmonious with the domestic violence situation. And she said David was depressed and stressed. And she was so worried about him, Katrina checked the levels of her own prescribed medications to make sure he hadn't taken any or was maybe thinking of taking an overdose as he'd mentioned that everyone would be better off if he wasn't around.
1: Do we know what her medication was? No, and I did dig. That sounds like it's a painkiller of some kind.
0: Or antidepressants, maybe.
1: Yeah, but if someone wants to kill themselves, I imagine they don't scoff loads of antidepressants. No, I know it probably can probably lead, it probably can lead to death actually because I know you can get some really bad side effects like uh, serotonin syndrome.
0: Yeah, I checked through all the court papers, all the all the news reports, nothing because I I wondered that exact same thing myself. Twenty fourth of April, twenty twenty, a woman walking her dog along Overdorf Road in Hamilton County around three thirty p.m. finds a body in a ditch lots of places describe this road as a rural part of town but looking at google maps it seems to be a quite well-to-do part of the town lots of expensive looking detached houses with perfectly manicured lawns police turn up and are wondering what they have a middle-aged man no wallet phone or any id yet his pockets of his trousers have been turned out like someone had gone through them to rob him His left arm was inside the sleeve of a pink shirt and it had been wrapped around his wrist, sort of like a bulky bandage. And he also had what was called a leather rifle sling draped across his face. I'm assuming that's some kind of carry case for carrying a a rifle. It was noted at the scene that the man had what looked like marks on his neck, maybe made by an attempt to cut it. He was also barefoot, No shoes or socks to be found but the bottom of his feet were clean yet he had scrape marks on the heels like he hadn't walked there but had been dragged and he also had three cuts to one foot. The body is removed to the coroner's office and an autopsy is undertaken. It's noticed that the man had some type of sticky residue on his ankles and wrists possibly from duct tape being used to bind him each hand had a laceration below the thumb in the fatty area which appeared to have been made by what was called a sharp bladed instrument when the shirt was removed from the body they found a hole at the front which they again thought was from a knife used to remove a square and at the neck of the shirt had also been cut but what any of it meant they didn't know It was also obvious from the lividity of the body that it had been moved after death. Lividity occurs because the heart is no longer pumping blood throughout the body and consequently gravity pulls the blood down, resulting in the pooling of blood at the lowest point in the body. For all intents and purposes, it's like a very large purple bruise caused by the blood pooling at the lowest point after death lividity starts to occur very quickly which people don't realize it usually begins within 30 minutes but up to four hours after death and is most pronounced at 12 hours after death blanching or a white discoloration that results when pressure is applied to the skin can occur up to 8 to 12 hours after death If there's no whitening when it's pressed, it's a rule of thumb in the field that the death occurred over 12 hours previously. The only thing of note that was found during the autopsy were 14 slices or lumps of mushroom in his stomach, which were undigested. Everything is sent off for testing the internal organs, blood and urine, and of course, the stomach contents and they just have to wait for the test results to come back before they knew what they were dealing with. Fingerprints were run, and David's details came up as a match due to the domestic violence situation. 25th of April, early hours of the morning, authorities arrive at the home David shared with Katrina. She was calm, unflustered, and frankly disinterested. She immediately tells him that David had been threatening suicide and she felt guilty for not helping him. She shares with detectives the description of the man that had apparently been looking for David. He'd actually been to the house four times and she hadn't called the police because David didn't want it. She also had no idea where David's phone was, although it was found in the house that they searched with permission. And then it was oh yes, that's where it always is. She also told the police she only lived at the house with David and didn't own or have any connection to any other property. Due to that description of the man who had come looking for David, authorities were able to track the man down and the woman supposedly in the middle of this triangle, according to Katrina, both the man and the woman are completely eliminated from police inquiries after investigation, including police lineups. It does make you wonder what was going on, but it's never revealed. Police may have searched the house with permission, but they also get warrants. They get a hold of the phones, the cars, and various computers. The phones proved that the last time Katrina contacted David was the 22nd of April, three days before his body was found. Yet when asked about why she hadn't contacted him, she said it was because his phone was in the house, the one she didn't know was there initially until it was found by the place. When asked why she hadn't reported him missing, she said that uh, there was an active protection order or a no contact order And that kept her from contacting police because she feared David would be arrested for violating the order. At this point, I was, oh dear, a domestic violence victim who went back to the abuser. A huge problem. Takes something like five times to leave and three years to do so. So what's going on? Especially when Katrina admits to the police that she had been charged with falsely informing in Madison County, in relation to a report of invasion of privacy by David. So it sounds like she'd been falsely accusing him of something. So were the domestic violent arrests actually real? Did David know they were false and could prove it? Katrina initially said that she did not own property or rent another property, but later admitted that for years she had been renting a home in Noblesville and had forgotten about it. She also gave it a twee name, the country house. Who was paying that rent? No idea. No mention anywhere about finances or jobs for Katrina. Katrina told investigators she went to the Noblesville home daily to feed her cats that lived there.
1: Didn't she say she doesn't have any claim to any other housing, though? Yeah. She just happens to live with David.
0: Well, she said she didn't own anything. It was only that she lived with David. She conveniently forgot this house where her cats were living. I mean, how many cats there were?
1: I regularly make the excuse that people do weird shit in terms of high stress. If your partner or someone, you know whatever dies, you're going to kind of do weird stuff, but it's like forgetting you have a child or something. It's kind, yeah. of, it's kind of odd. That part is ingrained to you. You're like, oh yeah, I have a house. That's where I live. That's where I go every day to feed my cats. Yeah. It's like forgetting what car you own. It doesn't make any sense.
0: So by now the police know that she's got this house and she gives consent for them to search it, which they do, but they're also armed with warrants just in case. Among items located by investigators at this house was what was called an Uncle Mike's gun sling, which was similar in appearance to the one found on the body of David. It's a case that looked the same, that's all, but they seem to think it's a bit of a gotcha. What was the gotcha was the other evidence found on the phones, however. All smartphones connect to the internet. Searches found on her phone included. In the state of Indiana, what would the bond be, with, there's a typo, be if someone were arrested for murder? In the state of Indiana, what evidence needs to be present in order to get an arrest warrant for murder? Oh, dear. Indiana homicide laws. Crimes of passion law in Indiana and how to pass a lie detector test. Also found were... Can you overdose on Lexapro, which is an antidepressant? Also found was, can you overdose on Riverrun? That again was another typo, but there was another one with the proper name, which is Remeron, and that's another antidepressant. And also, who can help me? I'm afraid my husband is at risk for suicide by overdosing on medication. She didn't clear any of these searches. They also found hundreds and hundreds of texts between Katrina and a chap called Terry Hopkins.
1: You weren't going to know this because why would you probably wouldn't have actually searched this part. Any of the antidepressants that she then had Googled, Yeah. if he scoffs these, does he die? Are any of them sedatives? Because that would make sense because if you overdose someone on the sedative, they'll die
0: the only thing i searched was what is it and they both came up as antidepressants but i don't know i think most of them have got a sedative effect if they taken in kind of like, large like, yeah they have, they
1: have like a sedating effect but i don't know i don't
0: know whether they were hers or whether they were his especially as well if he was depressed and under stress they might have been his but it's not clear back to terry these all these emails terry then aged 64, and Katrina were as tight as can be. Terry lived in nearby Richmond and sort of worked as Katrina's elderly father's live-in carer. Katrina and Terry had known each other for years and years. Terry even referred to Katrina as a sister from another mother, um, and a lot of other acronyms were used in the many text messages about loving each other to bits and all that, but it was all framed as just super, super, super close friends. Now, next to nothing about Terry, except he was a diabetic, not very healthy himself, and actually a retired police officer. He'd done 33 years, so he would have had some clue, one would have hoped, about how investigations are carried out, or maybe not. It could have been a traffic cop for all I know. Autopsy results are back. Those mushrooms, Leucoccibe conato or canatum. Yes, I've probably mangled the Latin, but they are known as white dome cap. Honestly, they look very innocuous. You could imagine anyone picking them and cooking them. But the problem is it can be completely harmless or if there's some sort of genetic mutation, it's toxic. There's no way to tell which mushroom has it, so the advice is just do not use. The toxin is something called muscarine. Muscarine can't be metabolised by the body nor deposited in any tissues of the liver. It's passed through the body through urine and also to some extent in saliva, sweat and tears. Muscarine was not detected in the samples sent to the lab, but muscarine has a half-life of about eight hours and is usually undetectable by 72 hours, long after David had died and his body had been found. But white dome cap also looks like something called Amanita virosa, known also as the destroying angel. Pictures of that mushroom have been found on Katrina's phone. That mushroom is that toxic. It's advised not to even touch it. And if you do pick it and put it in with other mushrooms in a basket, if you're out foraging, and then find out that you've picked the deadly one, the advice is throw all the mushrooms out, as even by just touching one mushroom to another, it can actually make the edible ones poisonous the term toadstool solely applies to inedible or poisonous mushrooms it's also used to define those that have the classic umbrella shape dome shaped cap with a stem but those are edible you know the red fairy tale pictures of toadstools the ones animals
1: always sit on with the white spots usually yep yep
0: that's Amanita muscaria, or fly agaric. All this I've st-
1: heard of this mushroom before. Actually, the way you pronounced it there, I've heard of that, An- An- Amanita muscaria or something. I've heard of it before. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: So symptoms of muscarine poisoning are sweating, drooling, racing heartbeat, breathing difficulties. And then coma that can appear five minutes after eating or up to 30 minutes after exposure. Sometimes a liver transplant can save someone, but only if you know what the toxin is and treatment is fast, let alone the availability of a liver. Now, the police know all this. They look closer at Katrina and especially at her very best friend, Terry. His behaviour before David's death was not one of a criminal mastermind for sure. He goes shopping. It's all traceable. He buys microfiber cleaning cloths, duct tape and cleaning gloves. Not a problem. But one day before the discovery of David's body, Terry had also bought blue tarpaulins, a £6,400 lifting sling, and a 500-pound hydraulic lift, and the usual white zip ties. By the 26th of May 2020, detectives told Katrina that they knew she'd killed David. She asked for some time to get her affairs in order, get the cats taken care of, get her elderly dad taken care of. Of course, COVID is in full swing by now, so everything slows up. They knew, she knew, but at that time they didn't have quite enough evidence. But on September the 17th, 2020, Katrina is charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder, failure to report human remains and false informing.
1: Again, there's the second time she's had that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that one ends up getting dropped. When police arrested Katrina, she was also in possession of a bag containing $40,000 and a phone that had the following web search history. I'm sorry, she didn't learn. Know your rights. Spy escape. How to disappear completely. How to move away and never be found again. Fake driver license ID USA. Terry was also arrested and charged with murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and failure to report a corpse. He was held without bond, and on the 3rd of February 2022, Terry dies whilst awaiting trial. The case is therefore formally dismissed. Katrina's trial started on the 28th of February 2022. Oh, wait, wait,
1: wait. Is this like a 500 IQ play? He didn't actually die? And the uh, how to escape forever like a spy actually works.
0: <laughs> I wonder it's never actually revealed. They just said he died from multiple health conditions. He had diabetes. I it. He did it. He was Smack overweight. He probably had a heart attack he's and in it was Panama. COVID. No, he's gone. He's gone. Katrina's trial started on the twenty-eighth of February, and everything I told you came out, along with the autopsy results and the statement that they could not actually tell what had happened killed david asphyxiation or the mushrooms due to the time lapse between ingestion and his body being found but it was murder by homicidal means katrina's daughter the one i mentioned at the beginning testified about how good david was to her and her children and she had no idea about any of the domestic violence situation it's also revealed that david's dna was on that hoist thing along with Terry's DNA. Police had also found walkie-talkies in Katrina and Terry's vehicles. They were the same make and model and tuned to the same channel and subchannel. It also turned out that when he was arrested, Terry had deep bruising on his chest and cuts and lacerations on his hands and his arms. Remember that $40,000 they found on her? Well, it turned out David's life insurance proceeds and joint bank account sums were only $50,000. Not a lot of money at all, but the police think it was the motive, although the prosecution didn't give a motive at the trial.
1: She gave 10 grand away to a mate and that's how he disappeared.
0: Wow. <sighs> <laughs> it cost a bit more to get somebody out of jail for that.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm convinced he's not actually dead, that guy.
0: Well, Katrina's defence was that there was no conspiracy. She also basically didn't have any defence. She also didn't seem to throw Terry under the bus, even if he was dead or has gone missing, according to Cameron. The charge of filing a false report had been dropped, as I said. But in March of 2022, jurors found Katrina guilty of the conspiracy to commit murder. They agreed with prosecutors that she was involved in killing her husband but did not know to what extent that's why they acquitted her of the murder charge. There was apparently some information that the jury was not allowed to hear that would have sealed the deal on the murder charge. I just don't know what it was. I read a line from a detective that had been involved in this who had possibly mm, maybe shouldn't have said anything on social media. Whether it's true or not, I do not know. But it was interesting enough that I was like, oh, OK, it makes kind of sense because it does happen. Regardless, Katrina gets away with murder and the judge sentences her to 34 years behind bars for the conspiracy to murder David. Katrina was credited with 772 days of time served. She was also sentenced to 365 days in prison for failure to report the human remains, but she was credited with 183 days. The sentences were to run concurrently. She was 56. That would mean she would be 90 before she could get out. So she appeals. The ruling comes out in April of 2023. They try a multiple-pronged approach to the appeal. They said there was no evidence. That failed. Statements to the police should have been excluded. That failed. They tried to claim prosecutorial misconduct. That was because the defence lawyers and the prosecution had agreed... There wasn't a confession and the prosecution said that there was a confession. But the judge ruled it wasn't a confession by how the statement to the police officer had been presented in court. So it wasn't prosecutorial misconduct. That failed too. So there she sits in jail, hopefully not being allowed anywhere near the kitchens. There were some other strange results thrown up on this research. The Roman Empire. Ever hear of Claudius? Tell me more. Right, there's a famous film, I, Claudius, from 1976. Actually saw Derek Jacobi, who played Claudius in it, on stage in the West End years later. Anyway, Claudius was apparently a victim of what's called partial paralysis and a movement disorder. Claudius limped drooled and had difficulty speaking 2001 at the 7th annual clinico pathologic conference or cpc a boffin from the university of maryland school of medicine confirmed that claudius's fourth wife agrippina or agrippina ultimately did him in with a dose of poisoned mushrooms the motive clearing the way for her son nero to take the throne you know fiddling while Rome burned I always get I Claudius mixed up with the film Caligula from 1979 with Malcolm McDowell no resemblance to that one at all if you never watched the film Caligula don't one of Russia's leading space scientists has died after he was allegedly poisoned with mushrooms took two weeks to die and this was reported on about a week ago I make no comment about the number of prominent Russians dying recently. And of course, we have the case in Australia. That's all pure speculation at the moment. No one has been charged. The basic facts of the case are a woman called Erin Patterson served a meal to her former parents-in-law and her mother-in-law's sister. So husband and aunt by aunt and uncle by marriage strange wording in some of the newspaper reports within days of that meal gail patterson aged 70 and her sister heather wilkinson age 66 died in hospital followed by gail's 70 year old husband don a day later heather's husband ian wilkinson a 68 year old reverend is still critically ill in hospital even now Mushroom poisoning, a beef at Wellington and dehydrated mushrooms that keep changing where they came from. There's a dehydrator that ended up at a dump, yet it was salvageable. How? Australian dumps must be very different to ours, or maybe they took it to resell it like some of ours do. I discovered that the guy who is being quoted everywhere as an expert in toxicology has a very interesting link to another murder on the other side of the world. So I'm off to do a deep dive into that case.
1: I personally think that people that forage around for vegetables, mushrooms, berries, they're just kind of like in the wild. To me, it's weird. I don't trust it. We live in a society. I know it's kind of your inward nature. You're foraging for your own food. But you don't know what it is. If you eat it, you'll die. And it weirds me out. It's the same thing about hunting. If you were to kill a deer, how do you know that's not got AIDS? Or whatever the deer equivalent is, it creeps me out
0: there is a very valid point point. one of we used to go um brambling when i was a kid we've got some grown in the garden at the moment they're a weed basically but one of the things i was brought up with is you do not pick them at the side of a road because of the lead from the fuel that used to be in the air
1: there was actually one kid that uh, we lived near i was a kid as well and um, there was a tree and there was what looked like honey coming out of the tree. Obviously, it was tree sap and I said, I don't think that's honey and he licked the tree and it was tree sap and freaked out about it. Yeah, that's another that's another weird foraging yeah. story. Yeah, it kind of just weirds me out when you see people pick up a berry and eat it that's sort of on the side. Some of them are poisonous to humans but birds eat them so it's fine yeah. so you can't see the bird eating it and think, that's cool. I know when I was a kid, and this is a slightly funny story about me, I used to eat Snails and shit on the floor. Yes. And that's more of a testament on you, not, <laughs> not watching your like one-year-old child, what he's doing, and I'm just scoffing some snails. There was a show, A Thousand Ways to Die or Dumb Ways to Die, back in the day, and there was a guy who found some uh, snails out in the garden or whatever, like, cooked and eating them with his partner but they contain parasites. So the, the, the yeah. ones that you can eat in restaurants have to be specifically farmed yes. because they don't have them. Yeah. And it's stuff like you have to purge the animal. Like you can't allow it to eat for like a week beforehand so that when you kill it, it doesn't have any excrement, etc. You wouldn't have done that. I would have found some snails and scoffed them. So you're lucky I didn't get some sort of weird brain parasite and the jury's out. I could have a weird brain parasite. It's why I'm sideways.
0: It was literally blink and miss it and you were suddenly crunching on something. What the heck have you got there? Finger in the mouth. Oh, every parent's done it. Finger in the mouth, scooped it. And, and you were like,
1: I know what? snails are slow and that's how I got it, but how fast was I? What do you mean?
0: <laughs> you were you literally were about 18 months old in the garden. And that is the end of this week's episode. And finally, the victim, who should not be forgotten, David Foots, aged 50.
1: So there we are, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, i Monday podcast. You can find everything we're associated with in the descriptions below. Our patron is also in the description if you liked it please consider it. And ladies, if you on the Patreon, hang around. We've got the case autopsy. And we'll see you next time. Peace.
0: Bye.